Hey, brother. Hello, brother. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 13 of Matchwits. I'm your host, Steve, alongside my younger brother, Chris. Uh, that's me. All right. Matchwits is a nostalgia-infused pop culture podcast where I continue to add to the years of torment and trauma I placed in my, uh, upon my younger brother. I just use new technology to do it. How so? You care to elaborate, Steve? You're, yeah, you, you and Jen are kind of the reason I turned into the cynical, bitter old man that I turned into. But I'm quick on my feet, and I, I'm, I'm very well-spoken, so I can talk myself in and out of most situations. So I have to say thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah. All right, moving on. So if you're new to Matchwits, uh, we also do what we call the dimwit tally. My brother and I often disagree on things, uh, particularly uh, facts. Uh, so if... Uh, <laughs> If we uh, disagree and it's something we can quickly look up, we will do a dollar bet. Uh, currently, I am $4, approximately $4 in the hole. We're going to say it's $4. We agreed off air that we do it's $4. Yeah. And that doesn't include the, the conversation we had on Friday where I thought Grace Jones was in Mad Max. Because <laughs> that wasn't on air. And so that wasn't a, uh, that wasn't a thing. Yeah, so, Grace, Grace Jones in... in- in Mad Max, it was Tina Turner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but Grace Jones was in Conan, yes. and Beast Beastmaster. Was Grace Jones in Beastmaster? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll bet that that one. No, no, no. Because it sounds like you already looked it up. Like it <laughs> sounds like you looked it up in recent memory. But I don't yeah. remember. I don't really remember. I remember the the guy that played Mr. McDowell from Coming to America was in Beastmaster and Mark Singer. But oh, he was in the loincloth. The, yep. the Coming to America. Like he was like a. I don't remember. Yeah, Is he a king he, or something? Or no, he's like he's a legendary actor, and that's how I refer to him as is the guy, Mister McDowell from Coming to America. Which <laughs> Steve, did you hear they're doing a sequel? No, and they're bringing Arsenio and Eddie Murphy back. I'm curious. Well, that, I'm, uh, I'm curious too. Very uh, curious because Eddie Murphy went to the not funny land to the, where I think Will Ferrell is right now, but he can come back because it's agreed. still Eddie Murphy. Because Eddie Murphy was hysterical when he was younger. So, we'll see. When was Eddie Murphy's last funny movie? Oof. Beverly Hills Cop 3? Shrek? <laughs> what was the one? Was it Bowfinger? I th- dude, I have a weird I have a weird soft. Well, yeah, Shrek. Nutty Professor? Guess. No. I see I didn't I didn't get down with the Nutty Professor movie. What Shrek, I would Shrek sure, but that's like a franchise. I don't know if that's just him. You know what I mean? Like that's just that spawned its own life of franchise and whatnot. I'm just talking about like him. Like there hasn't been a golden child in a long time. Mm. What, what was the one with oh, Little Hercules? What was that? What was that one? That's not a professor. Was it really? Yeah, it's the first one. So they're all sitting at dinner, right? And he's playing on it, and Hercules is the little the little fat kid. Yeah, yeah. Little no. Hercules, little Hercules. <laughs> no, give me, give me, <laughs> give me the first Beverly. Hills. Did you do you know the story about Beverly Hills Cop? Right, like it wasn't. It was written for Sylvester Stallone, and it was written as a serious movie. Like it was supposed to be like a serious action movie in like the the vein of Die Hard and things like that. And that when I think either Sylvester Stallone passed on it and did some, I'm trying to think about the corresponding year of what he might be doing the Rocky franchise at that point in time, but he passed on it and then Eddie Murphy got in, interested and they rewrote it to be a comedy. And then they brought him in and it's, it has action elements to it. You can still see the bones of a, a serious action movie, but then you put Eddie Murphy in the middle of it being, <laughs> right. being young, funny, arrogant, sass mouth, Eddie Murphy. I did not know that. So you, you taught me something today, for sure. There you go. You learn stuff. 
Yeah. So we're if part of this episode we're gonna jump into and and the way that the, the way the podcast works, uh, I'll text Chris a, a topic or we'll go back and forth on text and come up with a topic and we've kinda got things just to loosely structure or to rigorously structure the podcast depending on your point of view, um, what we're gonna do for a given week. So uh this week we're gonna talk about um Music bios because we touched on that in the last podcast. Why, uh, you know, kind of with Bohemian Rhapsody, and then there's this one on Netflix called The Dirt about Molly Crew. It just seems like there's right. an influx of these, and there's been, you know, that's nothing new, right? The 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 you know kind of going from where you are to a rock star story has been publicized by by Hollywood for 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 years. Sure. So we're going to want to get into that. We'll get into that a little bit later, but uh, there's a couple other things I want to uh, kind of talk through first before we jump into that. Is it the yeah. fact that you didn't like Fury Road? Or, sorry, you thought it was decent because you watched it on a tablet? <laughs> the, I sent that picture there... to Benny, and I, I sent that picture to Benny, and Benny was just as furious as I was. He goes, well, yeah, of course the action's not going to look big on a tablet. It was like, you have to watch it on a big screen really loud to appreciate what they did. And you're just like, oh, it was decent. I fell asleep a bunch of times. Like, shut up. <laughs> All right, before we go into that, because, yes, I do want to cover, because on last podcast, you also said you need to go watch Fury Road because it was a car movie and, or you know, that should classify as one of your top five movies of all time, and I need to come back and report on it. And, yes, I tried to watch it twice this week. I fell asleep the first time. Uh, I'm uh, uh, probably within the first five minutes. Not That's not a problem with the movie. That was just – I was tired because I was traveling. Uh, but I did not make it through the whole movie twice. So – um yeah, it was just not – it's not my thing. And I go back and I think – I go back to the original Mad Max. I, I just not, not – really, It has nothing to do with the original Mad Max, Steve. Take it completely as a stand. Like that's why I don't refer to it as Mad Max Fury Road. I just refer to it as Fury Road because I'm from the camp that doesn't believe that t- or Tom Hardy's character is the same character as Mel Gibson. I don't. I don't, I don't think it's the same one. I think Mad Max is kind of just – you know what I mean? Like the the hero journey. It's the, the how they refer to this this continuing story. I think he's one of the feral kids from the second one or the third one. I mean, from the the the, the Grace Jones one, as you would refer to it as the <laughs> under yeah beyond Terradome. There's there's a whole series of kids that he finds. You should just say Terradome. Terradome, yeah, the, the Public Enemy one. <laughs> the Public Enemy album. Yeah, well, that that's fair. That's a reasonable yeah, assumption. That's, that's a reasonable mistake. Not Grace Jones versus Tina Turner. But anyways, so in that movie, he finds a group of feral kids living in a cave, and he, he the whole rest of the movie is about him rebuilding a plane I think of some sort that turns into a glider whatever I haven't seen it in a while but there's there's a story online that they think one of the feral kids grew up into Tom Hardy's quote unquote Max character because he has his jacket and he has his car and stuff like that and there's no reason why he would have that unless he was the same character which I don't believe or a character that would have a reason to have it which is what I believe so don't think of it as a Mad Max movie. So you you went in like, oh, I haven't seen the other ones in so long. I'm going to yeah. be lost. Like, no, it's a chase movie, Steve. It's an hour and 45 or hour and 53 minutes of pure adrenaline. Like, that's all it is. Like, that's all I expect from a movie is to be wildly entertained for the two hours that I'm sitting and watching it and getting away from any of the real life, real world BS that you go to a movie to escape. So yeah, again, still, meh. Like, 
I'll, I'll watch it at some point on a decent screen or whatever. Decent, and it has to be loud, Steve. I'm telling All you, right. just like as loud as you can possibly tolerate it. It's one of those movies that needs to be. You know me, Steve. I, I there's certain movies that you have to experience in a the theater, and that's one of those ones that I I went and saw it twice. I wait I waited till like it was at the end of its run and like just went and saw it like at a matinee for like four bucks or whatever it was just in the middle of the day and it was just as good the second time and i don't know well it's a film is art art is subjective so teach their own but you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> all right again not my thing again i didn't feel like the first right. one like when i watched the first one i wasn't like this is great i was just like Ugh. first one's terrible that's uh, why like it I doesn't next the quality of filmmaking doesn't actually improve to the grace jones one until well, welcome to jokes. welcome to the terror dome like until those ones like the first ones yeah. he made i know i'm conti- <laughs> i'm purposely making those mistakes now but the first one he made for a dirt like it's dirt cheap it's a bunch of stunt guys like they didn't even right. have permits to shoot and when you go back and rewatch it like it's not a very good movie and even the second one isn't very good it's getting better like george miller can finally is evolving as a filmmaker and a storyteller but by the time you get to the the uh, Beyond Thunderdome, it's good, and then, and then you get the Fury Road, and it's just really, really good. Right. But. I will agree to give that another shot. All right. So, and again, I know I texted you this week and said, "Hey, we're going to talk about movie biopics, or, uh, <laughs> biopics, and yeah. and we're and we're going to ideally do that." But because I like to mess with you, sure, uh, and I know you like to be prepared, we're going to talk about something you're completely unprepared for. Okay, and. Um, I kind of, when I was thinking about doing this, I'm doing it on purpose. I did it like the last couple episodes. Um, and I'm trying to think of why I do it. And, and I remember when you and I went to Europe. Remember? You were, mm-hmm. I think, a senior at Penn State, and I was whatever. Yep. I'm seven years older, so I was. It's my second year, my second know. senior year. It yeah. was my victory lap. I had just moved into my, <laughs> my apartment. Right. Well, that was Steve. The, right, so the, I don't know if I ever told you the story. The Penn State has a thing. If you're graduating, you're a graduating senior, and you only have to take a certain amount of credits to graduate it doesn't matter like you can take i think it has to be more than six you have to take more than like two classes but it can be less than whatever the 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 bar was the the 12 and a half credits to be considered full-time to qualify for financial aid and everything but they have something called the senior underload which is whatever you have left that's you're considered full-time because that's all you need to graduate steve i had no classes on mondays or fridays (laughs) I had I had one class on Wednesday and that was exercise for stress management, which was guided meditation. <laughs> guided meditation for an hour. It was my gym class because I was I was a you know eighth semester or whatever it was senior. Right. I got to pick classes before anybody else, so that was the easiest class you could take. But then my Tuesday Thursday classes, it was all it was all film classes. It was all, I, I went and I watched a movie on Tuesday and then I talked about the movie on Thursday. Like that was my, <laughs> so that's why I was able, I missed syllabus day when we went to Europe. Remember I moved, I came back to school and my friends had moved all of my stuff from my one house to my apartment for me. Like just, just to be nice. I came back that and was it was cool. like four or five days into the semester had already started. I missed syllabus day. I missed like the, the first <laughs> two days of class. Like I didn't care. Whatever. But, so, yeah. but my point is, <laughs> Sorry. Back so I got, my, hey, my you point want, about, you want to sidetrack th- me with, with misleading topics. I'm going to sidetrack you with my mundane stories. There you go. So. Fair enough. So, 
but if you remember, and I, I remember this because I tell this story to everybody, there was, a, there was a point, right? So again, seven years difference. I've been in the working world, what, five years, four and a half years. I'd already moved to Winchester, so five years. I already had a job. I had frequent flyer miles. I had money. And I was like, yeah. hey, we're going to go. We're going to go backpack through Europe two, two weeks through um, Spain and yeah. France and northern Italy and Germany and Amsterdam. We're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to pay for it. We're going to go do it. And at some point, and, and I had a very loose schedule. Like, we're going to stay here and we're going to stay here just to get. And then we're going to go show up places, not knowing where we're staying. And we're just going to go sure. find a room like we did in, in, in Italy. But the point of the story is uh, there was a, I think we were in France. And and we were walking around, and we weren't really going anywhere, just walking around, which I like to do, just walk around and explore. And I go to take a, a step off the curb, and you're like, I am not taking another step until we until I know where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, we're just walking around. He's like, you're like, no, no, I'm not going. I'm like, I need to know where we're going. So that's a little bit. I, I have appreciation for your need to kind of have that. Um, that structure and kind of know where you're going. And then I'm going to use that against you and kind of throw of you a huge curveball. So, of course. So, what I have prepared for this week, uh, and again, this is not to throw shade at you, this is going to be throwing darts at me. I'm going to, I'm going to get up on stage and allow you to mock me. So, what <sighs> I have prepared for I don't, you. I don't, need your, I don't need your permission. I'll do I, I that know, anyway. but what, I'm, I'm sticking my chin out, right? Oh. So, what I've prepared for is a list of movies that Chris will not believe I haven't seen. Oh God, it's <laughs> gonna be it's gonna be a long list, and it's gonna be of stuff that you definitely should have seen. But what yes. happens if, if do I have to be completely honest? Like if I haven't seen something, yeah. do yeah. I have to, oh, absolutely? Boy. Okay. Yeah. So, and the reason the reason this all came about is we were texting about movie biopics, and I said you can't include Almost Famous because I have you've seen never seen you've never seen it. <laughs> That makes sense. All right. That makes sense. Well, the the whole story behind it is the reason that I ask, because it's based on Cameron Crowe's real life. Like, obviously, it's a fictional story, and he changes the names, and but it's all an amalgam of different experiences that he had yeah. as a 16-year-old kid writing for Rolling Stone. Like, Stillwater is basically a stand-in for the Allman Brothers. The plane... The, the seri- the You're sequence speaking in- to me like you think I've seen it. I'm not <laughs> speaking to you like that at all. I'm explaining. There's a part in the movie where they're in they're in a plane and it like gets struck by lightning or flies through a terrible storm and they think they're going to crash. So they all start admitting things about mm. their lives. Like you know what I mean? Like they start and the one guy just yells out, "I'm gay," and it's all based on. <laughs> Based on, but it, then obviously they get it. They get through the storm and it writes itself, right. and they all just awkwardly stare at each other. But that's based on a true story that happened with him when he was touring with the Who. Like we're not talking about like some random like not the Allman Brothers. You're talking about the Who. You're talking about <laughs> that, like legendary right. musicians that he was in a situation like that. Like it's all based on people that he knew that he changed right. names or mixed them all together not to offend them or to out anybody but right. that's that's why i said it and he also yeah. like when you talk about music you gotta talk about spinal tap and you said i couldn't not be able to talk about spinal but tap that's not a about- biopic but it's a movie film so anyways let's see right, time so okay and as much as famous. i am a, a fan of cameron crow and the mm-hmm. fact that cameron crow was married to nancy wilson who I, you know, I have an autographed picture of Nancy Wilson on my <laughs> my wall in my music room uh, so that I weird. wanted to bet. And 
and that Jason Lee's in it, and and I really like Jason Lee. So the fact that I haven't seen that movie is a little embarrassing. So yeah, that was one bit. of the reasons why we couldn't include these roughly based on because I hadn't seen it. So I'm gonna admit that I haven't seen it. All right, so this list is gonna I guess is gonna I don't know I don't know if we're gonna be able to do a podcast. I don't think we can be brothers after some of these. <laughs> uh, so Blade Runner, never seen it. Yeah, dude, that's all right. So Blade Runner is an acquired taste. It's slow. Like, that's what everyone, when everyone talks about the greatest science fiction of all time, I agree, or science fiction movie of all time, it's definitely top five, but good lord, <laughs> is it a slow, it's a, it's a philosophical mm, mer, uh, musing on what it means to be human, and what's the difference mm. between humans and, and machines, and, and, but that's all, but that's all, it's, that's what I like about my science fiction like i took a science fiction class when i was in college like that's that's why i enjoy those kind of movies but it's not for everybody it's slow it's got a it's now it's really dated with the technology but i no i don't i don't i don't besmirch you for not seeing all right i appreciate that because i feel like i should have seen it i think i started watching it once in college and i probably fell asleep well, there's also like I think there's seven different versions of it. There's like the there's the director's cut that Ridley Scott put out, and then there's like the studio cut that they wanted a voiceover narration in a bit or the beginning to help explain things, and then the ending was changed. And it's it's that's hard. It's hard, and it's not necessarily everybody's cup of tea because it's 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 heady science fiction. So I don't no I don't besmirch you for that. And, and all this is coming about because you've you've prepared stuff for previous podcasts, like the whole Kill Bill thing. <laughs> the whole... I haven't seen Kill Bill, which, again, I can't believe I haven't seen Kill Bill, but I haven't, I don't know. A lot of these because it feels like I crawled <laughs> under a rock at some point no. and I stopped watching movies. <laughs> or at least I wouldn't be able to consume movies in the quantities that I used to. So, Well, um, it, it, without without the... Without the, we're at the risk of sounding self-flagellating. Like, I watch a lot of stuff, dude. Like, I just don't sleep as much as most <laughs> people do. Like, I stay up late. I get up early. I just, I, I constantly consume stuff. So when I, when you say, have you seen this? And I usually just go, yes, immediately. It's because I have. But I don't think that's for everybody. I, every other, like, more people sleep more and go do other things where I just like to consume media. That's all. all right. So... Uh, I have not seen all of Schindler's List. <laughs> Dude, we had a we had a field trip from prep. That was it, we all went to the theater to see it because it's such yeah. an important movie mm. in the history of the world. Yeah, I don't I don't think I've seen it at all. I think I had either I had to watch it for a class. When did it come out? When did Schindler's know, List come it's out? It's got to be like ninety seven. I think I was graduating from high school, so I think it was my senior class trip. 96, 97, maybe. Maybe even been earlier than that. I think Mr. Del Rio took us, so 95. I don't know. I'll say 96. 93. Ugh, not even close. I was so a I freshman. Would in, I would have been in college then, yeah. Yeah, yeah and you don't so care about the world. I might you don't have care about watch it for a class or something. Maybe I fast-forwarded. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't seen all of it. I've seen parts of it. Like I, It's not like I haven't seen it, but I just, I don't know. Uh, I haven't seen Pulp Fiction. <sighs> <laughs> All right, yeah, now we're, now we're we're not brothers. We're not brothers. How do you not? I've seen it's parts like, of it. Like no. when it's and on TV, have, like I watch it, but I have not sat walk, down okay, for, and watched it from opening credit to closing credit. For, first of all, if you watch it on television, it, 
Like, all right, so you're missing. They're cutting swear words and curses out. And <laughs> oh, I know. Tarantino writes in such beautiful, harsh language. That, uh, yeah, dude. Like, how do you like? How do you not have a list? Like, Steve, I have a list on the back of my notepad. I, I have one of those big, just normal size, like white loose leaf notepads. And on the back of it, I have a list of movies. Like, if I see a trailer, I'm like, oh, that looks interesting. Or if someone comes out that, I, or if a director or a critic comes out with like a best of 2018 list, I'll go through them. If anything, and I'll write it down. And then as I'm look sitting down to look for something to watch, I'll pull it out, look at it, see if I can find anything on on demand, and then watch it and then cross it off or put a check mark next to it mm-hmm. you're doing these with like imdb's top 50 of all time <laughs> oh, like, i know uh, I, just, I went and looked i was like oh my god how, how can you be some... a host of a pop how can you be a host of a pop culture podcast i think you need to change the blurb at the beginning <laughs> that it's a nostalgia based podcast smeared with a little bit of pop culture uh, well or it's nostalgia based because i haven't done anything in 20 years <laughs> <laughs> that's fair <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. So, oh, this is going to get worse. And this is, I know this is a a complete indictment, but I got to be honest, like, and and I I know the key scenes. I've seen them enough and I've been watched parts, but I just have not seen it beginning to end. Haven't seen Kill Bill. Haven't seen The Shining. Yeah. The Shining, it's it's almost too old now. Kubrick's a tough, Kubrick's a tough pill. Like, all right, I was going to make reference to another one. So I'm just going to ask, have you ever seen 2001? So that was going to be on my list, and it's. I think I had to watch it for a class, but I really don't remember it. No, then yeah, then you didn't see it. You can't. You can't make these statements. Well, I've seen bits and pieces. Like that's what Aaron puts on a movie and falls asleep like five minutes. He's like, yeah, I watched it the other night. I'm like, no, you didn't. Most <laughs> <laughs> certainly did not. Like if I gave you like a pop quiz of like five basic questions about the movie, you wouldn't be able to answer them. So no, you haven't seen it. You remember putting it on or being in the room while it was on, but you don't watch. Well, but like, no, but I, but I think so. Here, but here's my thing. Like, and maybe I'm maybe I'm off here with like 2001 and some of those were like when I had to watch. Like I had a I had a film class like you did in college at IUP, and I had to watch it. I had to go to the library. Like this is like we didn't have DVD players or whatever. So yeah. I had to go to the library and watch it on film or whatever. And <laughs> I felt and and you had to you had to like write stuff down. And I feel like when I was watching it and and studying it, I wasn't paying attention to the story. And I don't think I retained a whole lot of it because, you know, there was a bunch of movies that year that I watched, some that I retained, like where I watched and then I had to go back and fill out the paper. I'm like, oh, crap, I got to watch it a second time. So something like 2001, I don't know. Well, what do you do when you watch a movie? Are you just staring blankly at the screen with like your tongue hanging out of your mouth? Like, how are you not? How are you not processing information that's being thrown at you through all of your senses minus touch and smell like your sight know. and sound like that's that's one of the things about film is it it's moving pictures like that's the whole it, the I, whole I know motion. i'm just saying i'm just being completely like and again maybe i'm old enough now like i've just it's been 30 years since i've seen whatever 2001 that i just totally forget what it's about I don't know. It's about, it's about space. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. All right, space, I'm going to give you two space. more. Um, uh, and there, there is more because 2001 and Shababi is not written on my list here, but I was like, I was like I'm pretty sure I've seen it. I knew it was Kubrick, and I had to do a whole thing on Kubrick in college. Anyways, Escape from New York. Okay. That's John Carpenter. You should watch it. You would love it. Yeah, like, you, never, it's one of, seen it. What a Kurt. You love Kurt Russell. Yeah, I know. Like, it, I'm like, you're going to be like, 
it's Kurt Russell, who I who we love as like one of his badass, most badass characters named Snake Pliskin, which with an eye patch, which is just awesome. It's John John <laughs> Carpenter, who we absolutely love, who wrote, directed, and I believe he did the score for that one. It's Isaac Hayes playing <laughs> playing one of like the leader of the bad guys, and if I'm not mistaken, Adrian Barbeau is in it as well. A throwback to the, our the Cannibal girl. Run, yeah, Eggs, can, Cannibal Run, Swamp Thing, yeah, and like the crushes, all, the high school crushes, or the pre- all of crushes. those things. Steve mixed together into one movie. You should watch it. It's really good. He's just got these super dry one-liners that only Kurt Russell can pull off without seeming right. overly cheesy. And like even like the the digital effects are dated. They they were done smartly. Like he he painted instead of actually trying to use computers to render a three dimensional a three dimensional uh, readout of what he thought a computer display would look like. He built models and then he painted the corners with glowing paint with you know bio or phosphorescent paints and then just filmed it like you would a normal thing and so it looked like it was a digital outline of a building where it was just a building painted on the outlines with glowing in the glow in the dark paint because hmm. john john carpenter's a genius when it comes right. to low budget solutions for high budget problems right and that's why i love him and i'm like dude I, it's john carpenter steve I, one of my favorite musical experiences of all time was going to see john carpenter in new york play the music from all of his movies with his son and a full band while they played the the clips from the movies behind it. Like watching him play the theme from Halloween while you see Michael Myers walking around is surreal. Where did you see that? I went up to New York City with my buddy Steve Carino. He's one of my film nerd friends. He was like, hey, dude, I got an extra ticket to see John Carpenter at the, I think it was the Lincoln Theater in in new york city so we we drove up and went and saw it and it's called like masterpieces or something like that and it's john Mm -hmm. carpenter his son and then like four or five other musicians and all of the all they do he has like he he plays he has his own band and stuff like that so but it was it was a retrospective about his movies so he came out and he talked about it a little bit and he talked about the inspirations and then he would launch into the escape from new york theme or uh, the theme from Halloween, or uh, what were some of the other ones? They live as they were, where they're showing the fight scene with Roddy Roddy Piper mm-hmm. and and Keith David, oh. and it, and he's playing it as you're standing there watching it. Steve, I I, I posted my, the one picture of when he's playing the They Live, and it, I caught it. Well, Steve caught it perfectly when it flashed up, and it just says, "Money is your god." Remember me sending you that picture from a long time ago where it's like the the subliminal messages from They Live when you like you look at the billboards and stuff? It flashed a bunch of them and it just happened to be when he was taking the picture. Oh, the awesome. one that po- popped up said, mine said something else. The one that I took, I didn't like as much, but his said perfectly. It said, money is your God. And I was like, holy crap. And Steve, I was like, we were dressed kind of nice because it was like it was at a theater and stuff. But I had my Jack Burton tank top on underneath the shirt that I was wearing. <laughs> and so we're walking out and it was New York City in the middle of summer. So it was like 90 degrees. and it was So I took my shirt off and was just walking around wearing my Jack Burton tank top. And like four other dudes stopped me wearing the exact same thing. And they just hugged me and were like, was that like the greatest experience ever? I'm like, this might be the nerdiest exchange that I've ever had with anybody else. But yeah, 
give me another hug. And yeah, so watch Escape from New York, dude. Yeah. Why you love John Carpenter? You, you we've talked about John Carpenter know, movies at great length, and that's one of his classics. That's pretty cool. You went and saw like you know how much like so, and this will be we'll segue into music here because uh, yep. again, music music to me is what film is to you, right? And, yeah, and, exactly. But again, I, I, at some point, I just my the volume of movies I've watched, and, and when you fall behind, like when you miss Pulp Fiction, that ship it kind of sailed, and you got to try I, just trying to keep up, right? I was like, oh, I'll, just, I'll come back to that, and now what was that twenty years ago? <laughs> at least. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like oops, I'll, I'll get back around made, to it. He's made really, really good films since then, but that's still, I mean, that's that's his calling card. 94, yeah, yeah a long time, 24 years. 20, 24 years ago. Like, probably, yeah. probably time to, you know, remedy yeah. that, Steve. Like, have yeah. do a do a double feature of that and, well, Kill Bill's like three and a half hours long yeah. because it's two pieces, but they're good. All right, so... The last one, and I'm not embarrassed by this, and you probably won't give me shit for this, because, yeah, but it's on the list because I've, uh, you know, you know how I feel about Star Wars movies. I have not seen Solo, yeah. and I don't know. Should I? I mean, it, it just feels like that's kind of an outlier. That yeah, it wasn't bad. As as it, much as I liked, um, was it Rogue One? Yeah, I really liked Rogue One. Yeah, like that was probably one of the better ones after original three it well for me it at least showed that disney had the balls to end it that the way it should have like you know what i mean like you knew if you were doomed yeah yeah exactly spoiler but that's what i said when they were making it i was like if any of them make it out of that movie then it's a cop-out because the whole point or the whole plot is based on the the quote from mon mothma from the original it says many many rebel soldiers died to bring you this information like that's that's how it got out it was a suicide mission to get it out so when they killed the droid I was like, okay, is that? And then they killed somebody else. So I was like, all right, they, it looks like they're going for it. And then they killed everybody. And I was like, okay, that's that's the only way it should have ended. So Solo has some moments in it that are really good. And, and Donald Glover as young Lando is pretty great. Like just walking, mm. watching him walk around with that Billy D swagger from like the seventies is is pretty good. But like, I don't need to. I don't need for you to explain to me how he got his name or his blaster or or any yeah. of that. Like, yeah. just knock it off. And it, if it's done well, sure. But it's not. <laughs> when, <laughs> when they figure out, like, when they do the big reveal about how he got his his name, like, I, you probably could have heard my eyes roll, which is just ugh. Right. like it was just a hard Liz Lemon. I roll like, oh my gosh, I can't believe. But then there's other moments that are really cool, and there's a lot to like about it. But I don't know; it's passable. Like you don't need to. I'd rather right. you watch Pulp Fiction than, than right, Solo. Right. Yeah, I mean, if I'm picking my like, like, you know, the time, like, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 the only reason that one is on the list is I've, you know, how, how much I like Star Wars. And well, Steve, I think you fall into the trap that a lot of people do that you're you're more of a passive consumer. You you'll be flipping through the channels, find something that looks interesting to you, and then end up watching that rather right. than having a list and have to actively having to search it out. 
Mm. You know what I mean? But the nice thing is there's a bunch of, I think the IMDb app even does that. If you look up a movie at the very top, it tells you all the different ways you can watch it. It's, you can rent it on Amazon Prime for two ninety nine, mm. or it's streaming for free on Amazon Prime, or it's on Hulu or Shutter or Netflix. So that's a good way to to make sure you know what i mean like if you when i tell you about a movie look it up and see if it's playing it, i'm not asking you to pay 4.99 for a movie all the time because i've seen it but right like pulp fiction you should well and this podcast has been good because i've been able to I, i've gotten caught up on some movies that <laughs> i wouldn't have watched like watching sure. movies in the middle of the afternoon that type of thing because when i watch movies at night i fall asleep that's just the way it is yeah the, i do right. the same thing so so it's been really good. Like I'm, I'm getting back into watching movies again, which is really cool. Um, and I watched Bohemian Rhapsody uh, over the weekend, which was good. But was we'll get to that it? in a second. While we're talking about while we're talking about okay, Star Wars, right. though, have you watched the trailer? I know you have. Um, <laughs> and what, what what are your thoughts? Um, I'm from the camp of everyone. It seems to think the Last Jedi was so. It was so or like there's you either loved it or you hated it. I I didn't fall in either of those. I thought it was okay. I thought there was some parts of it that were really cool. I thought the design of the film itself, the red and black, instead of everything being blue and green as it normally is, was an interesting departure. I didn't like Leia's force flight thing to save her from the cold depths of space. Like that just comes out of nowhere. But I don't. I'm a voracious Star Wars guy. Like, I've read a lot of the, well, some of the books when I was younger about the continuation. So, I don't know. I, I'll go see it. What am I, what am I going to say? No, I'm not going right, to be right. there opening weekend. I, I'm intrigued. I, I read, I forget who the one of the one critics was, posted that instead the Jedi are done. I, I the, the, the last Jedi is a very, like, it's, it was purposely called that, and the, the this one's purposely called the Rise of the Skywalkers because I th- or Rise of Skywalker because I think this is the Skywalkers are going to be the new Jedi's. It has nothing it's a to new do thing. With it. Yeah, it's like the new Jedi Order is the Skywalkers based on Luke's interpretation of what the Jedi Order was. The Jedi's got bogged down in bureaucracy and power struggles and and things like that, where Luke was more about being in tune with nature and 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 those things so i think mm-hmm. this is going to be the the shot of ray doing that cool jump <laughs> o- over uh, the the speeder was awesome the tie fighter like, yeah that was pretty he, awesome it's still i got goosebumps i i watched it like two or three times immediately when I when i saw it first time so yeah I, and the, I, the the shell of the death star on the planet yeah well like, that's that's apparently from it it was either an unused script for the last jedi or was supposed to be originally in the force awakens instead of the star destroyer that she ends up you know having that oh, high right. speed yeah, chase yeah, yeah. through that was that was one of the rumors so i yeah the the shot of that but and the palpatine's laugh yeah steve but is it going to fall in so i really like the force awakened but it did feel a lot like it was following the exact same beats of a new hope oh yeah this this looks like it's it could be doing very very similar to the return of you know return of the jedi and i i don't want it because last jedi was such a departure and wasn't empire wasn't a you know a carbon copy beat for beat remake of of empire I don't know. It, 
I'm going in with pensive pensive appreciation, I guess. Or And they're going to be done after this. At least this, this story arc. These, the, the, these were three movies. They're done. Ray's done. They're all they're all done. Right? Yeah. Cuz it says the story concludes. Yeah, well the Skywalker this is apparently this is the, apparently the end of the Skywalker story about Luke and and that family lines. So yeah. I think that's why they're going to specifically make Ray not a a Skywalker. So it's the oh, idea of it. moving yeah, yeah. to another family, moving to Poe and Finn and Ray and them started cuz you know Disney's not done with Star Wars like this. Well, they're not yeah, they're not done with um uh Ridley, what's her name? Um Daisy Ridley. Daisy Ridley. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. No. So. Like but that's what I mean. So they're just they're going to start new, doing new stories. Make which, billions of dollars. They're not going to be done. It just I was I was like, "Oh, well, yeah, I guess it makes sense that they're going to kill it after this, even though they have some really young actors and everything that could carry this on yeah. for 20 years." No. Um, this is just the and this is the end of the nine episode arc of the Skywalker bloodline. You know what I mean? Like that's for me. That's what I I'm, the actual bloodline of of the, the generations of Skywalkers. This is the end of that. But I don't think any way, shape, or form that this is the end of that story of Ray and Poe and those people because I believe they're all still under contract. And you're right, it's going to make a billion plus, and they're going to continue <laughs> yeah. to do it. And dude, I. We found out that Aaron's, my wife's work retreat next year is down in Orlando in the middle, oh. of, in the middle of February, which is off season, and Star Wars Land's going to be open. So me, mm. and, me, me and Brody they were, build, gonna, they were building it when we were down there a couple of years uh-huh. ago. Like you could, they were starting to, they, like, like they were breaking ground. Like they had the whole section well, of the park. Like, so apparently they did like a walkthrough. So I don't, I've, we haven't been to Disney yet with Brody and I haven't been to Disney since we went when I was like 14 or 15. So I haven't been down there, but everybody I, I've ever spoke with when they went to Diagon Alley, the, the Harry Potter part said it was one of the coolest things ever. Oh so, my God. It was awesome. So that was at, was, wait, was that universal? No, I don't think no, so. I'm pretty sure dollar bet. No. I don't know enough. I, dude, I haven't been to the park in 25 years. I have no idea. But so apparently they everything that they learned that worked and didn't work with the Harry Potter stuff, they're using for this new the, the new Star Wars one about being completely immersive and hiring actors to walk around. Mm. And Steve, I was it's, reading. It's a, universal. Okay. So I was reading. But it was amazing. I mean, not, not to cut you off. It like we, we, when we went to Orlando, we intentionally, because the kids were so into Harry Potter, we didn't go to Disney. We went to Universal because of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And it sure. was awesome. I heard it was awesome. But so I was reading a walkthrough about this Star Wars land or whatever they're calling it. Uh, do you know you can fly the Millennium Falcon? No, they have like uh, you walk into a hallway, like the whole thing set up that you're you have to do a smuggling run under the mm-hmm. first order's nose. So you walk in and they're like, all right, to your ships, and you walk into a hallway, and then there's like eight doors or something like that, and you walk mm-hmm. in one of those doors, and it's a cockpit of the Millennium Falcon, and so each person that walks in, there's no actors in there with you. All right. four, all four or five people have a role. There's a pilot, there's a navigator, there's an engineer, and they're like little mini games that you play oh, at each station. Awesome. And it moves, Steve. It's on a damn <laughs> gimbal. Like I get, oh, I know, no, like the, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter had those rides where they basically pick up your car 
and they move you in front of these screens that's like exactly. you're flying. It is nuts. Steve, they have that stupid like quarter wheel thing that you push forward to do the hyperspace. Like to that alone, like they said, the whatever the whoever did the walkthrough said, it's so accurate to what you remember. Like all the buttons work and do oh, something, man. all the dials do something, and you can like jump in between rolls. You know what I mean? Like you remember right. Han like gets up and like goes back and like presses some buttons, and like sometimes you have to do that, or one person has. That sounds so much fun to me. Oh my god! Yeah. As a as an almost forty year old, that I can only imagine what it would be like for a kid. So like I, middle of the week, Steve, off season, <laughs> I'll, I'll be walking around, dude. Like there might not be anybody. I mean, obviously there'll be people there, there be, like, but it's yeah. it's not going to be spring break or you know what I mean that right. that week that kids get off in the middle of in the middle of the school year. It's not going right. to be that crowded. It's going to be February, so it's not going to be that crowded. So right. I'm so excited. That's awesome. Yeah, and again, the the, the Harry Potter thing where you can you like yeah, there was so many like walk through Diagon Alley, you got a wand and you can wave it in front of the windows and it does yeah. things like super interactive. It, it's so cool. And then you can ride the Hogwarts, Hogwarts Express from one section of the park to the other. Yeah, it's it's pretty rad. So if they if they even come close to that with with Star Wars, it'll be ten times better. Yeah, exactly. So sorry. All right. All right, so you didn't do you didn't do horrible with my curveball, and you were pretty pretty gracious with me on the fact that I, there are some pretty significant movies uh, that I haven't seen. But again, it's you, like you miss you miss some movies, and you just kind of go on and and anyway. So Steve, you want you want an olive branch? Me admitting something on air that I'm absolutely ashamed to admit. Sure, I, I've never seen The Godfather. Oh, all <laughs> of them, or just the first one? Just the first one. I don't remember. Mm. I, I, I'm sure I probably watched it at some point in time, but definitely not enough to really remember it. Well, so I have a personal thing against Marlon Brando. I know that sounds <laughs> so, so weird and random, but like there's just some stories that I've read about Marlon Brando, about mm. who he was as a person and how he treated people on set and how he, mm. you know what I mean? Like the, yeah, yeah. that whole, that aura that goes around him. Like I... I have a problem supporting people that are that big a piece of shit to everybody that goes in <laughs> on set. I, I do, Steve. Yeah. Like it just, it just bothers me. And it when I remember, I I probably saw it when we were in, when I was in high school or when I was younger or yeah. at, at a night after I drinking. It came out in seventy two. Like sure, the, yeah, you're so, born. Like, but I refuse. I refuse. It's also three hour, three and a half hours long or whatever it is. I don't have time for that. But there's a shot of. The behind the scenes of Marlon Brando sitting there and James Duvall, who's like one of the greatest actors ever, has cue cards like Robert Duvall. Like, Robert Duvall, sorry. Yeah. Who did I say? James Duvall? James Duvall. Who the hell is James Duvall? James Conn. You're thinking of James Conn, who is Sonny Corleone. Sonny. No, Robert sorry. Duvall. Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall has cue cards safety pinned to his shirt. Like... You can't, you can't do that, you piece of crap. Learn your lines. Like you're right. not, you're not special. You're not, you're not the greatest actor that ever lived. Like, right. learn your role. Like all the stories that you hear about him behind the scenes on Apocalypse Now, the shot of him doing the speech in Apocalypse Now of the horror. You know what I mean? The ex, yeah, the yeah, explanation. Yeah. 
uh, the only reason they had to shoot it that way where you only see like a quarter of his face yeah. is because he showed up like 80 pounds overweight and was borderline <laughs> oh, yeah. immobile and francis, <laughs> right. Fra francis Ford Coppola was like what the hell am i gonna do i can't this guy's supposed to be a military whatever a captain so he's yeah, supposed yeah. to be in good shape but he shows up like 80 pounds overweight like shaved his own head like without discussing any of this so they had to put him in that yeah, that like all black background where it's just that light <laughs> shear, that that single that single beam of light coming through, lighting his face right. because he was a disaster to human being to look at otherwise. Like f you, buddy. So it's the <laughs> it's the problem that once I get that stuck in my head, it's just like ugh, I, I won't. So there you go, there you go. All right, so cleared the air. I haven't seen yeah. every movie. You haven't seen every movie, but no. again, Steve I think between between us, we've seen a ton of movies. So yeah. shall we? What? Shall we move on to this week's topic of music sure. biographies? Sure. All right. So, uh, and and again, I think this there's some discussions in here too, right? Because um, this is tricky. Like we talked about last time, there is there is you know if you're trying to capture an entire career of an artist, there's so many stories, right? Because movies should be stories, right? You have an hour and a half, two hours, whatever, to tell a story, right? And you can't do. 30-year career or someone's entire life you can't do it justice you have to kind of put a lens on it and say i'm going to highlight this and we talked about this in the last uh in episode 12 where we talked about the dirt which was the, the motley crew one and it was just like you had to kind of hit the high notes and it wasn't super great but there are movies out there that you know the dirt aside that did a good job of finding the story but also having people that recognize and telling them in a good way right a lot sure. of these are up for awards so I'm going to go through a couple that aren't on the list like I do every time um, that you could argue they could go on there. Um, and I, I, I struggled with La Bamba um, because I, there was a lot of it I liked. Um, but, you know, there's others from that same era that uh, I, thought, I thought were better. Sure. Um, so I left La Bamba off the list. But Richie we're Valens, also, that whole story is really good, and Lou Diamond yeah. Phillips, I thought did did pretty good with with Richie Valens. It, the the problem that I run into with those type of musical biopics is that I don't I'm not vested in the music itself. You know, like right. the, the Walk the Line and other ones like that. I enjoy the music, so I want to know the background or the story of the musician. Where I remember La Bamba, I liked the song, but seeing that, and I I didn't have the same musical appreciation for him or the big bopper or mm -hmm. or the other who, who buddy, holly. buddy holly the three of them like i i didn't i knew of them i knew some of their songs but it's not the same way i i think of ray charles or right or nwa you know what i mean like yeah, those, yeah. those ones yeah. resonate with me because i've listened to the music for so long where they didn't have the most expansive musical catalog so i didn't immerse myself in it so no right I, it, Lou, Lou Diamond Phillips is great in it I remember watching it on USA Network all the time when we were yeah. younger but it was a, it was a tragedy I mean the way they sure. st stole that because it was just you know where it was going and it was like you know he was snuffed out and you know the whole you know he, I he was the youngest of them I think he was like 19 or 20 yeah or something I was, like that, I was, so. saying, I was like I don't even think he was he oh. may have been like 17 or 18 yeah he was pretty young so um there's that one uh Sid and Nancy um <laughs> You know, I, I, what, go ahead. I, I, 
I effing hate the Sex Pistols. I hate Johnny Rotten. <laughs> I hate Sid Vicious. I think they're crappy musicians. Yet, do I think they were hugely influential in the punk music mu- yeah. or movement? Sure, but they're pricks. I got a, I got a problem <laughs> with people that are just straight up pricks. And as good as that movie is, and as great as Gary Oldman is, I no. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. And, uh, I mean, and Gary Oldman was like again. He's been in psych. He, he's he's pretty legit. So, but again, off the, not on the list. But no, you know, I'll no. put it on honorable mention. Sure. This could, this probably should be on the list, but um, I don't know that I've seen the whole thing. Or and because it's been on another list, without, and you already mentioned it, is Ray. Like, that was, that was, yeah. like that was pretty legit, but so not on my no. list. Probably because of the relatability of some of the music. Sure. Sure. But I think now I'd appreciate it more than, than some of the other ones that are on my list that I haven't seen that well. So. Most of the ones that the ones that are at least rank or rank higher for me are the ones where the actors play the music themselves. You know what I mean? Like that yep. that carries yep. a whole lot of weight for me when it I can find it believable when they're sitting behind a piano and and singing Ray Charles. One cuz Jamie Foxx kind of looks identical yeah. to Ray yeah. Charles moved almost identical, like had a lot of the the shoulder wag and the head movements of Ray Mm -hmm. Charles and is a great and is a great piano player in his own right. So when you can do that, that to me elevates a biopic higher than when it's clearly someone lip singing or clearly someone trying to air guitar or mimic playing guitar when I don't really know how to play the guitar, but I know when it's not being played right. Right, and, right. You'd be like, that's, yeah, he's, he's lip syncing or he's, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, and that's, but so when when uh, the main character or the, the main actor playing the main character f- truly inhabits the role and, and does yep. all the singing himself, elevates it to a certain extent. And you, yep. you can't mention that without, but Okay, Ray- so uh, I'll, wait, but I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna interrupt you there for a second because I completely agree with you, and based on that, I would almost change and put Ray up there because five of the six that I have, uh, I guess you could argue all six that I have are people performing, performing sure. the music of somebody else, and it kind of inhabiting the character completely. Yep. Playing the music, playing the guitar, singing, singing the words, all that. So, well, that's my favorite anecdote. Well, not my favorite anecdote, but one of the one of my more favorite anecdotes that came out of that movie was when when Kanye West was writing the song "Gold Digger" and wanted to use the Ray Charles clip. They wouldn't give him the rights to it, so he just brought Jamie Foxx in and sang and sang the lines instead and paid him. <laughs> Like I love because because he sounds so much like him, and they couldn't get the rights. They just used Jamie Foxx singing it because right. you're allowed to. I forget what the actual rights laws are about how you can use, but that's the same reason the Donnie Darko. That do you remember the piano version of uh, Everybody Wants to Rule the World? Or no, Mad World. Sorry, not no. I'm going off on a tangent, but anyways. So I like that story. <laughs> <laughs> Not the, I was going on a tangent down like piano covers of music have been used right. in a lot of, but I won't. I'll save you that. Right. Well, yeah, Ray should be on your top five because. And then right. one I had on the list, and then I realized it shouldn't be for the same reason. Almost Famous isn't on the list because it's not really a biopic, which is Eight Mile. Sure. I, yeah. I really liked Eight Mile, but it was kind of intentionally done where, like, what is it, B Rabbit or B-Rabbit. whatever, like. It, it was it was a lot of Eminem's story, but it really wasn't completely. Sure. You know what I mean? And ultimately, yeah. I, I you know 
I like the movie. I like, love there's that a movie. lot about that movie I like, and I you know I like I like there's a lot about Eminem I like. There's some stuff about him I don't like. like but sure. As an artist and kind of what like all that like hey, I think he's pretty legit. So, yeah. but that wasn't on the list because it's really not a biopic. It's not fact for fact or telling the story. It's it's uh, again I think there was even supposed to be a uh, a follow up where it would be Rabbit. I think it was called like Southpaw or something or or, or something like that. So uh, again, it was made to be give it give him some creative freedom with sure. that character, even though it was based on him. But he could do other things because he didn't have to hold true. Like hey, this didn't really ever happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It can take some narrative and dramatic liberties where it's out, where it's not being, it's not a betrayal to the way that people yeah. are being portrayed. So, right. one, one last one I want to put an honorable mention, and you can add it to your list if you're ever looking for a stupid, surrealist comedy. Have you ever, do you like Andy Samberg? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did, yeah. did you ever see Pop Star? Colin, uh, I have never, not. never stop, never stopping. Oh, I mentioned it to Erin when we were talking about this, and she goes, that movie's so stupid. And I was like, that's the point of it. It's showing, oh, Steve, if you ever get a chance, yeah. it's so, so ridiculous and so far-fetched. Like, I forget, he does a song about gay rights, but he ends every line with saying, I'm not gay. It's like he, you know, I believe anyone should be able to marry whoever they want, but I'm not gay. And it's supposed to be like a take <laughs> off the Macklemore One Love or whatever the song he yeah, came yeah. out with about that. And it, but like the music, it's the Lonely Island guys. It's, they do the music themselves. So the music's really catchy, but it's ridiculous and so farcical. But yeah, I will, I will, I will continue so, to bang that drum to get somebody to watch it. Yeah, and not to go too far on a tangent, but there. Is, so you get into the fictional whatever, like Spinal Tap and all that. Like, I, I watched like the first season of Portlandia. I think maybe the first or second. I like Fred Armistead um, and the woman that was in Sleater Kenny. Um, they do the thing, and there's a skit. I can't remember. It might even be like season six, or whatever, where they get the band back together. Have you seen that? Where it's Fred Armistead, Henry Rollins. Um, <laughs> Uh, the drummer from Fugazi and Kurt, Kurt, Chris Novoselic from Nirvana, nice. and they're all like middle age. Like <laughs> you could make, you could probably, you could probably either make a show out of that or like a, a movie because it was hilarious. But the, that sounds. I, I've that. never watched. I've never watched an episode of Portlandia in my life, and uh, which sucks because I do really like Fred Armisen. I think he's he's extremely extremely funny, and Steve apparently a really really talented drummer. Oh, like, really? He was in Blue Man Group, but not as one of the Blue Men, but in the, the backing band. Like the oh, yeah, he's band? legit. He's yeah. a complete musician. I like yeah. Fred Armisen. So. And, and there is the, uh, he's got the, uh, the special on Netflix, Comedy for Drummers, <laughs> where he's got like four drum sets set up. and he Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, Fred Armisen. So I'll, I'm going to post a link to that skit because it is hilarious. Like they're, they're all middle-aged now, but they were like, you know, they were in a punk band. Wow. <laughs> but now they're middle-aged men. They're like, uh we should drive separately. Like I gotta go afterwards, and I'm not gonna stay. <laughs> like it's all the like it's they nail it. So, anyways, I, I love Henry Rollins. Yeah, he's awesome. I mean, he's the singer, and again, they're supposed to be like these. Like Fred Armstrong's like the guitar player. He's trying to be super like political and all that, yeah. and it's it's you know. But they've they've aged, so they're not quite as edgy. Sure, <laughs> kind of, sure. All right. So, anyways, go out and watch. I'll post it on the Twitter. All right. So go, let's go into my actual list. So. Uh, straight out of Compton, just because, uh, I, you know, not just because. I, I think rock solid. I told, music important to me. Um, I sent you a picture last week. I found my original straight out of Compton 
cassette tape, like yep. from thirty years ago, whenever it was. What did I say it was nineteen eighty eight. Priority Records. Yeah. So important band for me, or important group, um, and I thought they did a good job with it with the material. Um, I like Ice Cube's uh, son it, as himself. That's that's one of the things that that sold it for me. Like Cube is so important to the the history and the story of NWA that if you got that wrong, that could screw it up a lot. And his yep. son was really good, looks exactly like him, and has the exact same like one eyed sneer that, that Manner- Cube all the did. mannerisms yeah. in that. Yeah, yeah. That and was, the, was and the the kid that they, I I wasn't. I think that the the kid that played Dre is is a really really talented actor, but he was probably the least visually. You know what I mean? Like the mm-hmm. the kid that they got to play Easy looked just like Easy, like exactly <laughs> yeah. like what I remember Easy talking and stuff. He may have been a darker shade of black, but that's about it. Like the, right. the Jerry curl and the dress and the mannerism and stuff were all were all dead on. So right. yeah, but and that's that's the. That's the group that you introduced me to. But between that and Public Enemy is what got me into hip hop when I was younger. Right. So, so yeah. The um, the only problem I had with that movie, again, the performances were good. They tell the story. It's a great story. And and you're right. And you forget how important Ice Cube is. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't happen. NWA doesn't happen without Ice Cube. Like nope. he's the. But there was other parts where they and again it. They're all important. They all but, played a role, but they yeah. all, it all stemmed from, well, Cuba's probably the most ambitious that didn't want to, you know what I mean? Like didn't want to yeah. just take the status quo about his contract and, and, and all of, all of the things that went along with it, that he kind of stood yeah. his ground and that, that blazed the trail for a lot of hip hop artists from that yeah. point forward. So the, the only, I shouldn't say only thing, but. And it's hard, right? It's you, you have to find the story, and the story wasn't the fact that, you know, they, they particularly Dre had problem like violence against women thing. Like, yep. They, they, I don't, if I remember correctly, they were, I don't, they, they didn't even touch on that. They and cut it. Pretty they, significant. Like it wasn't like it was like a one time thing. I mean, no, he severe violence. And, he attacked the, the what was it? The MTV reporter at like the MTV musical yeah, ones or one of those yeah. things. It was like D D Williams or whatever yeah. her name is. Like went after her and like grabbed her by her neck and like threw yep. her down. Like that's yeah. yeah. I'm glad you're reformed, but let's not let's not gloss over that. It's yeah. the, like let's let's own it and make uh-huh. it how you like overcome or whatever. But anyways, that. That aside, and again, in any of these, you're gonna, you're gonna, particularly sure. when the artists who like and and they have ownership of their rights and everything, they're not gonna want to see all the skeletons in their closet come out. I well, get it. I mean, we're gonna talk to you about that. In probably all of these movies, but there's um, there's a couple ones, Steve, that I when I was doing my research, I was like, oh yeah, I remember seeing that. But I, it's also all right. So there was one called Miles Ahead. It's not gonna be on either of our list, but it's called Miles Ahead. It was written, directed, and starred Don Cheadle as Miles Davis. Now mm. I I love Miles Davis music and I didn't really know the backstory <laughs> of him until I saw that movie like it was only the music that I knew and then when I saw the movie I'm like oh I'm going to watch a lighthearted romp about Miles Davis's career yeah. oh no great he's a serial abuser of women he was a drug addict he was a he was a narcissist like I don't oh, need yeah. to know 
all of the darkness that goes along with it because they're all tortured souls. So let me right. just let me have the Miles Davis music without knowing who he was, which I guess is <laughs> right, a, yeah, which I guess is a cop. Yeah, I guess it's kind of a cop out, but I didn't know it prior to going in, and then when I right. watched it, I was like, "Oh man, how do you support somebody who's that awful?" Yeah. So, but yeah. That, so, but anyways, you know, you gotta find you gotta find the story in all these. And so sure. the next one, you know, the in the the Buddy Holly story, like <laughs> Gary Gary Busey, nineteen seventy eight. Yeah. Um, I think he got a nomination for best actor. I don't think he won, but I don't, he got I don't think he won for, either. But the fact that Gary Busey has a best actor nomination shows that the world is a weird, weird place. That was before his motorcycle accident, though. Let's like. <laughs> There's there's Busey before and Busey after, right? I mean, ah. he got in a pretty severe ah. motorcycle accident, not wearing a helmet, and it ah. it, it had an effect on his brain. Let's, let's uh, be clear. Okay, are, are we sure? <laughs> are we yeah, sure right, that Gary Busey wasn't always destined for madness? Like, it's, it's yeah, just, you're right. He could have been. Just, it just jumped him down the line. It's like it yeah, bumped yeah. him like seven steps ahead of where he should be. Yeah. You just you also have to have a screw loose to ride a motorcycle without a helmet, so. Agreed. But that one played the music, sure. sang the music, the whole band rehearsed. They did it all. Mm. The the Buddy Holly story is a, it's a great story. Um, you know, I had exposure to Buddy Holly like when I was younger, and then I came back around on it uh, sure. older. And I, I have Buddy Holly records. Really like Buddy Holly. Like not a ton of material but I mean he, I think he died at 22 and he had 45 hit songs I mean, Jeez. and genre defining like they booked him and and they booked him at a, at a club uh, like a blues club with I can't remember who it was but um, uh, they, they played and nobody realized because they played booked him based on music nobody realized that they were an all white band and they booked him at like a um, Mind if we a club, with yeah, that was not that was not <laughs> catering to an all white audience, and and the, the cloud the, the crowd came around on them because sure. of their music, it was very soulful music, and and it's just it's just good. Like you go back and listen to any of this stuff; it's good songwriter, good songs. Um, sure. You know, anyways, big, I'm a big Buddy Holly fan, and that that was and there's a lot of. Buddy Holly movies, or you know the way they weave in. I mean, Buddy Holly story, of course, weaves into Ricky Valentine, La Bamba, yeah. and you know the Day the Music Died documentary and all that stuff. But uh, the Buddy Holly story, I think, is one of the ones where they really, uh, to me, got it. They, they captured a lot. Like they didn't sugarcoat it. He had his issues. You know, he's a little bit of a control freak, and you know, and all that. But he was a young kid, and you know, they, they captured it all the way up to the you know up to the end. Sure. It's not a mine just because of, I'm not vested in the music. That's it's the yeah. same thing about La Bamba. It's it, sure I, I I remember watching it, but I don't re- remember it enough to put it on my list. Yeah. So and then we have the uh, I go into the Doors, the, the yeah. Val Kilmer, Oliver Stone, yeah. 1991. Another one where like Val Kilmer immersed himself mm-hmm. in Jim Morrison and became Jim Morrison like. You know, call it method, call it whatever, call it the Daniel Day Lewis thing. But yeah. um, uh, allegedly, he had problems coming out of it. Like he was so sure. so close to it, and sang all the songs and, the, and the all story, the mannerisms and yeah. all that stuff. 
the story about the older surviving members of the, the Doors coming on set the one day to watch like a performance and Ray Manzarek saying he couldn't he thought he was looking into the past he's, he's like I was looking at <laughs> you know late late 20s Jim Morrison and it was it was Val Kilmer and he remembers he said he was he was he stood next to him at like the craft table or something and he just goes mm. I don't remember Jim being that tall and I was wondering if you remember and but the the problem is with that it, yes it, <coughs> excuse me it 100 percent is on my list too because uh, because of that because of Val Kilmer you can't the picture that they use for the poster is you know, obviously the 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 picture that was used for the Doors. CD and you can't tell the difference if you put them side by side. One is of Val Kilmer and one is of Jim Morrison. But you have to take anything that Oliver Stone makes with a grain of salt because, like, it's not necessarily an accurate portrayal of the Doors and how they really were and who Robbie Krieger was and who Ray Manzarek and stuff. Is it entertaining? Absolutely. Is it a phenomenal performance by Val Kilmer? Absolutely. But it is Oliver Stone, so yeah. Is it one hundred percent accurate? Because he alludes no. to like maybe he's still alive. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's he getting getting involved in weird conspiracy theories and things like that. So just know that you have to take it as a narrative, it, strongly inspired by the real story. So, agree. But no, I agree. agree. All right, next one. Uh, I'm, I'm betting you haven't seen this one. Um, because it's not a super popular movie, but Born to Be Blue. No, I have not. So e- Ethan Hawke as Chet Baker. Okay. So Chet Baker. Are you familiar with Chet Baker? I am. I I know the name. Yeah. So of course he had that. Um. um it, it had to be you. Like it yeah. really that he's got that. Um, Soulful. Yeah. That my boy. Um, the crooner. Yeah, yeah, but what's... Oh, crap, what's his song? Uh, Valentine. Uh, it's not Bloody Valentine. It's, uh... You know what I'm talking about, right? No, I don't, man. <laughs> Come on. I'm having a senior moment. You are a senior. I thought you were going to say Love and Mercy. Did you see that yet? The the one with Paul Dano and John Cusack, where they both play uh, Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys? Oh, my God, I did. They're great, wow. right? Why is that not on my list? I don't know. That's why when you said that, he was, I was like, he's going to try to pull out some Beach Boy shit on me. And I was like, yeah, I've already seen it. Because I, I really like Paul Dano. I really like And anytime I hear him in interviews, I'm like, all right, he seems like a cool dude. I like Paul Dano a lot. And I, as much as I dislike John Cusack as a person now, I still think he's a good actor. Yeah. Funny Valentine. My God, I don't know why I had a bloody, bloody, bloody Valentine. Bloody Valentine. My funny, like that yeah. super, like you know his voice, you know his songs. I know. No, as soon as you said that song, I was like, oh, okay, I know that voice. Yeah, and there's there's a movie out there that is like he's in it. Like there's a there's a documentary about Chet Baker, and then there's the pick with Ethan Hawke that plays Chet Baker, and it, Miles Davis is in it, and it's exa- like it's what you expect, very intimidating, very narcissistic. Sure. Not, but it's not about Miles Davis, but it's about Chet Baker, and you know. It, it's so good. I mean, he got he got he was such a he had a huge problem with drugs with heroin in particular. Chet Baker did, they all and did, man. he he got beat so bad and lost all of his teeth that he had to redevelop how to play the trumpet because Jeez. it destroyed his mouth. Wow, I did not yeah. know that, and I've never yeah. seen the movie. So, and he ultimately got clean and stayed clean and his music suffered and then I'm spoiling it for everybody you should watch it anyways <laughs> and he finally just like resided himself that I'm better on heroin 
And he just was a functional heroin addict for, I want to say, 15, 20 years before he ultimately died. Jeez. Like, this is with his a, wife. A, a, yeah. functional, a functional heroin addict. I've never yeah. heard of I mean, it was just before. part of like, it was part of his life. So you watch it. It's really, really good. Okay. The music is good. I really like Chet Baker, but it's that, you know, it is that, that trumpet that's like, you, there's emotion coming out of it, yep. and it's really like that droning. Just again, Funny Valentine's probably his biggest hit, but it's a lot of that. And he and he could sing too. So, did you ever see the the Charlie Parker one that Clint Eastwood did called Bur- called Bird? It's with uh, Forrest Whitaker as Charlie Parker. Mm-mm. You'd like that if if you like just the way you described that last one, the Born to Be Blue one. But very yeah. similar, and it's a Clint yeah. Eastwood. Clint Eastwood knows how to direct, and Forrest Whitaker is a hell yeah, of an yeah. actor. So it's good. And, he, and he's a jazz guy, like yep. you know, Clint Big is time. an accomplished jazz guy. It's done. Um, it's done with amount with a certain amount of 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 reverency. You can you can tell he enjoys. You can tell he one he enjoys and understands the music, but also has an appreciation for the history of it. And it's Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker as Charlie Parker is great. So, yeah, if you like if you like those kind of those kind of movies, you'd like, you'd like Bird. Is that it? Um, where did I go with this? I don't know. I All don't right, know next one. Sorry. Right now. Um, uh, that was four. So walk the line. Sure. Again, you know, I'm not a huge Joaquin, but I think I'm coming around on him. Like, forget him, like, being weird, but I, I like Johnny Cash so much. Like, eh. you do you I like the book. A... I like the book better than the movie, but that doesn't mean the movie was bad. Agreed. Right? The, just the book was the story. Like, the book was the story. The movie was about Johnny Cash in June. It was, yep. it, was a lo- it was a love story, and they told that story. So you had to cut a lot of the other stuff out. The sure. fact that they played the, the played the music, Reese uh, Reese Witherspoon learned how to play the harp and or the, what are the auto harp, the what harp? I think it's the auto harp. Yeah, and and Joaquin learned how to sing the songs and play guitar, and they were performing all those, and and it's their voices and all that, and and I love Johnny Cash, and, and I love Johnny Cash. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, it, the the story about the the kid who ended up playing Elvis. Did you hear about that? He he came in and he was just supposed to be a background extra, but then he decided to talk in Elvis's accent, and one of the producers overheard it, and that's mm-hmm. how he and that's how he ended up playing Elvis in in Walk <laughs> the Line. Awesome. But we always talk about the the autobiography, the Cash by Johnny Cash. We talk about that scene where it's what it's it's Johnny Cash, Elvis, was it Waylon Jennings and Roy Orbison are sitting at a diner telling all talking about how they're all failures and they're never they're never going to be anything and right. they're all they all should just give it up and get real jobs and it turns out to be like four of the most influential legendary musicians <laughs> yeah, yeah. i i and I, i'm the, pretty sure it was elvis johnny cash um i heard the um, clicking steve you looked it up didn't you no i didn't no no that was me tapping my finger so johnny cash elvis and um carl perkins who wrote blue suede shoes okay right? luther perkins luther perkins was in johnny Cash. his brother was in johnny cash's band who started the tennessee too and then um oh my god it's another senior moment the piano player um great balls of fire why is great balls Jer- of fire not on my Jer- list jerry lee lewis why why is killer not on my oh my god that was a huge overset of my fault or my part with dennis yes. quaid is is killer yeah yeah, so. it, see, this is what happens, Steve. You try to you try to see, set these traps for me in order by changing topics and how we're going to bring up things. You forget, you let your actual work fall by the wayside. Good job. Oh, how did I miss that? I don't know. 
I don't. Would that be on my list? Yeah. Steve, you're missing know. another because, one because uh, my last one on my list is Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would put. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if I'd put Great Balls of Fire up there. Yeah, Dennis yeah. Quaid as Jerry Lewis is great, but eh, Jerry Lewis uh, married his cousin. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And, but, <laughs> so, like second cousin. And, uh, yeah. Who, Stop policing morality, Steve. Don't be like, well, it's not technically. <laughs> if they had children, they wouldn't come all out. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, That's what I mean. Like, great. Relax. But it, uh, if you want to get a great Jerry Lewis story, um, go out. Heavy Rollins is he's, he's a podcast, but he doesn't do it very often. But when he does, he does like an hour on, he tells a story on an artist. Like he did an hour on Lemmy. He did an hour on when he interviewed Jerry Lee Lewis for somebody had him go do it like MTV or somebody had him go do it. And Jerry Lewis got so comfortable with Henry Rollins that he be, kind of became the de facto interviewer for like Rolling Stone and MTV oh, and everything. Cool. They would have Henry Rollins go. He tells a story about going to his house and, and all this stuff. And, it's such a Henry Rollins is such a good storyteller. Yeah, like in his writings and his spoken word and everything. So I would recommend to any listener and to and you, Chris, to go out and listen to that. It's about it's about forty five minutes an hour, but it, you, you get such an appreciation for Jerry Lee Lewis as a musician um, and just as a person through this, you know, kind of Henry Rollins interviewing him and telling about how the, all this stuff went and and kind of what goes on there. And right. yeah, mm-hmm. maybe not on my list, but I can't believe I didn't even put it on my honorable mention. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. It is Dennis Quaid, but he, yeah, again, I think, you know, the hair flips, the, I don't know. Yeah. That might be a glaring omission on my part. And well, then the last one is, uh, and I just watched it this weekend, and I forgot how much <coughs> I like Queen. Sure. Which I think everybody did, because it's been, it's been so long. I mean, I think they stayed relevant i mean they've their music is all over if they've had multiple resurgences of bohemian rhapsody right thanks to wayne's sure. world wayne's and world. Thanks to this movie and and everything um wayne's world's the reason i mean dad was such a big queen fan but i didn't really listen to queen that much until wayne's world right until bohemian rhapsody was my back, first yeah. like, oh okay what is this stuff and then i went back and listened to queen and yeah but and, uh one or two that you may have missed. Do you even see Get Get On Up with Chadwick Boseman as James Brown? No, nope, haven't seen yeah. that one. It's good. He's he's talk about the the ability to kind of because he only plays really young James Brown, like so you don't really have to worry about doing mm-hmm. old age makeup while trying to do those awkward hip movements that he did. Like I love, <laughs> right. I have such like I have such an infatuation with James Brown. It started in high school. Mike Baytal was huge. Was a huge James Brown fan, and it got me started. And so mm-hmm. I, but you want to talk about somebody who was kind of a piece of garbage off off the stage was <laughs> was James right. Brown. But Chadwick Boseman plays like the young version of him when he's you know he first starts getting addicted to drugs and things like that. So he does a really good job. But if you like James Brown and you don't know his story, you might want to avoid it. But if you like James Brown and you can overlook <laughs> the rest of it, then it's right. pretty it's pretty good. So. What else did you have? The Pianist. Mm. I always talk about The Pianist being the most arduous, most beautiful movie that I'll never watch again. And it obviously it has a lot to do with her Polish ancestry that we're, that I have such a soft spot for it. But that, that Yitzhak Spillman is a, was a real, that's a real, that's a true story. Like that's, right. that's based off of a legendary Polish, a Polish piano player that went through these horrible things. And that's how he got out of being, 
murdered was playing the piano for one of the SS soldiers that was hiding out in this building, and they became friends. And then after the war was over, they had, I believe they had a reconciliation. Of, and Hitchcock's Billman talks about how he saved his life, and the German officer says, you know, he saved, his li- saved my life through music, and he spent his life... I don't know if any of it's true, like it all sunshine and rainbows at the end of it, but Adrian Brody's portrayal and what he went through in that movie was you, it was commendable. Well, not right. not necessarily commendable. He won the Oscar for it, so it was. Right. But I won't. It's not a movie you want to watch. There's no repeated viewability for that movie because what because <laughs> right. what happens and what he goes through. But right. but yeah, so I put that up there. Even Just, even as even with Polanski. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. I mean, where do you write because, him? That, like, I don't want to get in like him versus Brian Singer versus oh, whatever. The like. same. I put them both <laughs> in the same thing. But that's yeah. But the the movie's that good. Right. But I still Fair like. Enough. There's there's a he, there's a movie that Roman Polanski did that's called uh, The Ninth Gate with Johnny Depp, where he plays like this antique book collector or book hunter that I I absolutely love and I. I still watch occasionally until I remember it's Roman Polanski, and I'm like, ah, I'm supporting a gross pederast, yeah. still waiting extradition. But eh, I guess I forgot that Roman Polanski directed The Pianist. Sounds <laughs> 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 like it. I'm being completely honest. Yeah. I'm just being hypocritical. That's all good. Hypocritical. Eh, whatever. Go watch fucking Pulp Fiction. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um. I can't believe I missed Great Balls of Fire. What else did I miss? You got anything on your list or that was, that was no, pretty much it? Those were it. It's almost Famous doesn't count with like four exclamation or four quotation mark, or uh, uh, question marks. That and Spinal Tap and yeah, any of those. Yeah, James Mangold, the guy that directed Walk the Line, is the guy that directed Logan. Oh, nice. And 310 to Yuma, the remake with Christian Bale and hmm. Russell Crowe, which if you haven't seen is excellent. Like I was surprised at how much I liked it. I didn't really have a, a high opinion of the original. I don't really even mm. remember who was in the original. It was made in like the I believe the sixties, early seventies. Yeah, yeah. But James Mangold remade it, and it was really, really good. We should do a western. I was just thinking we should do a western. Wow, three ten Newmore was two thousand seven. Yeah, it was one. Well, not one. Russell Crowe, Christian Bale. Bale. Yeah, Christian Bale's great in it. Russell Crowe plays such a good like charming villain not necessarily villain charming antagonist he's, yeah. Alan Tudyk is in it yeah Steve the Pirate does he, does he do the um did you watch King speak, Candy speaking speaking of did you watch <laughs> did you watch Tucker and Dale versus Evil yet no oh come on man what put that I next so to, much time I had to watch to I had to watch fiction. Bohemian Rhapsody over two nights Fell asleep was, twice watching Fury Road, the most exciting movie that's been released in like the past ten, 10 years. But I do, uh, to your point, the iPad thing I think has something to do with it. Sure. Yes, yes. That, I 100% believe that has something to do with it. All right. But anyways. I digress. All right. Well, I think, I think we're good. I think we're good on, we covered the uh, the movies that I'm, uh, I thought you were going to give me a hard time about not seeing, but you were actually pretty civil about, mm-hmm. uh, with the exception of like Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill. Almost famous. Um, we, both, we both didn't mention Amadeus, which is probably the most award-winning music <laughs> film of all time. Yeah. I should. We should have said contemporary. Like, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. 
right. And uh, with that, I think you, if you guys want to, you know, continue listening to the podcast or rating the podcast, I should say. And uh, we've got reviews now on iTunes, which is nice to see. Uh, five stars. Five stars is always good. <laughs> Does it say um, from acquired wit underneath? <laughs> yeah, probably not. No, there's, but there's a bunch. There's more than just you and I. So that's that's a good sign. Um, you can, you can, you can, again, you can download this uh, podcast on iTunes, the Google play store. We're now available on Spotify and we're in the, uh, the Himalaya app, uh, for any of you using the Himalaya platform, uh, for all your podcasting. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at matchwits, uh, or you can go to our website, uh, matchwits.com. That is, uh, W I T T S.com matchwits. And with that, I think the next one we do could be a live, the, the Whit Brothers Together uh, live podcast um, that we would do potentially next week. Uh, if, it, if everything works out, we might be uh, we might be together next weekend. So that would be good. Be cool. uh, anything else? Nope. That's all I got. All right. Till next time. Uh, did you do Rise Up Likes? <laughs> Rise Up Likes. He's everything you ever wanted. One moment. Capture. Just let it slip. Yo. His palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti, he's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop bombs. But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd goes so loud, he opens his mouth, but the words won't come out. He's choking how? Everybody's choking now. The clocks run out. Time's up.